Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Well, it's my brother's birthday today. I just want to say happy birthday, Tony. He's still a very young man, but if you know my brother Tony, he's um, my older brother, two years older to me, just in case you didn't know. Anyone that thinks I'm the older brother, can't believe it. But, but no, he's my older brother, and all my life, um, I always looked up to him um, until I became a young teenager because he got into the wrong crowd, and I got into the wrong crowd, but he got into a worse crowd than me, and um, got into drugs, and you know, if you heard his testimony... So there was a time in my teenage years I didn't look up to him anymore because I, I, I was scared to because stu- of the stuff he was going into. And, but now, once he became a Christian, I look up to him and all that he is. And my older brother, I look up to you, Tony. You're an amazing example of a father, of a husband, of a son of God. And we honor you. You are such a blessing in so many ways. And um, I really honor you as my older brother. So love you so much. Love doing life with Tony. We do life together. He's been in the church. My older brother in the church. This year's 30 years the church has been going. We're going to celebrate 30 years at the end of the year. And um, God is so good. I want to speak on prayer. We've been speaking on prayer. Isn't God good that he's, he answers our prayer? He always answers our prayer. Even the church across Australia has been praying for rain. And there's been rain pouring down. And we're praying for consistent rain, for it to continually rain. For the weather system to change, and um, uh, this uh, next 10 days is all in 20s, all in the 20s. The degrees are all in their 20s. There's forecast rain coming and, and stuff. So let's just keep praying, keep believing that God is answering our prayers and that God could break the drought like that. To Him, it's nothing. You fill up the dams like that, it's absolutely nothing. Our faith needs to be God, you're in heaven, you created everything, you spoke it all into existence. If we pray, we know you hear us. So we're talking about prayer. We've gone through four points, started last week and last Sunday night as well. We're going to go into number five briefly because we want to get to somewhere really, really important. Luke chapter 11. Luke 11, Jesus talks about prayer in verse 9. Do you believe the Bible? Man, if we only simply believe the words of Jesus and the word of God. Verse 9 says, so I say to you, Jesus says, it's talking about prayer. In the context of talking about prayer, so I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Think about that. In prayer, whatever you ask the Father, he receives it. He He hears you. If I said to you, the next prayer that comes out of your mouth, God will hear it, what would you pray? If I said to you, when you pray according to the will of God, God will hear it. And the next prayer you're about to pray, God's going to hear your every prayer. How would we pray and what would we pray and how much would we pray if we really believe that every time we pray, God hears us? Not just hears us, answers us. I really believe with all my heart what the words of Jesus says. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. That means how you've been asking, you've been receiving. How you've been seeking, you've been finding. And how you're knocking, the door's been opening. It's actually happening already. It has happened to every single one of us. I have received what I've been asking for. I am 
walking in what I've been praying in, what I've been praying for. What I've been seeking, I've been finding. If I don't seek, I don't find. If I haven't got a heart to seek, I don't find it. We're talking about prayer because prayer is a lifestyle. Prayer is a relationship between us and God. It's a communication dialogue. We're talking about that last Sunday. It's not just me doing all the talking. It's not one way. That would be so silly for one person who doesn't know everything. We don't know everything. We hardly know anything. And we talk to the God who knows everything, and we do all the talking. It's a dialogue. We talk, yes, and we receive. And we listen. I really believe with all my heart that if we just had a drop of faith drop into our spirit and believe the next prayer I pray, God will answer it. What would I pray? God's going to answer your next prayer. Now, obviously, we're not going to pray selfish prayers. We're not going to pray evil prayers. We're not going to pray prayers that aren't according to the will of God. The next prayer you pray according to the will of God, God will hear it. And the Bible says, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, this is the confidence in approaching God in prayer. We're talking about prayer. This is the confidence in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. It's a scripture. If I think about my younger self when I was in my 20s, maybe even early 30s, so I got married at 25, and at whatever point I had five children, because we've got five children, and, and I was always praying for God to touch them, God to speak to them, God give them a heart to know you, God let them see you for who you are and let them have their own revelation of you. I pray let them come into encounter with you. I prayed those prayers all the time. If I could speak to my younger self, I'd say, Leo, when you pray those prayers, just believe it. Because I look back now and I'm seeing my kids walking in it. What's that? An answer to my prayers. Not just mine, my wife as well and others that have prayed. But, but because we've been praying and believing and trusting God, they're walking in the things of God. Because the prayer, see, when I say the next prayer you're going to pray, God is going to answer it. I'm talking about, I don't care, take away time. Time's not the issue. God's in a timeless place. He's not going, oh, hang on a second, when will I pray that? When will I answer that prayer? Oh, wait a bit. Oh, no, wait a bit. Time, he's in a timeless place. He's in eternity. Take away time. It doesn't matter when God's going to answer it. I just got to know when I pray His will, He'll answer it. And I'm going to keep praying until He answers it. That's, imagine having a, pray, a praying people like that. I'm saying, John Wesley, most of us know John Wesley. He, cha- he changed the world and created history through revivals and a great, great evangelist. And he, he quoted this. He, he was quoted in saying that God does nothing on the earth. Nothing on the earth except through prayer. Now, do you really believe that statement? I believe that's a true statement, but I think it should say this, that God does nothing on the earth except through believing prayer. Because a lot of people pray and don't believe. It's not the ritual of prayer without faith that God does something. God does things through believing prayer. That's why Jesus says, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. When you pray. When, when do you do the believing? When you pray. So when you pray, you believe. If you believe when you pray, you receive it. So not just pray. I prayed a lot of prayers that I didn't believe and it didn't happen. Does that make sense? But let's not get to this place where I'm not going to pray just in case it doesn't happen and my heart gets broken. I put my faith out. I put my hope up and it doesn't get met. I get disappointed. So I'd rather be safe. I'm not going to pray. Risky prayers. I'm not going to put my faith out. I'm not going to walk on the water. I'm not, not going to take risks. No, we have to pray. 
with faith in our hearts. And prayer comes out of a relationship with God and out of understanding God's will and God's word and what He's promised us. God has promised us some promises. So I go back to God and say, God, you promised this. You promised you pour out your spirit upon all flesh. So I know God wants to do it. I'm not trying to ask God to do what He doesn't want to do. I know His Word. You know His Word. You know His promises. When you know His promises, you can speak His promise back to Him and say, God, this is Your Word. I'm going to decree what Your Word says. I don't have to guess or second guess. I wonder if God wants to pour rain on the earth. I wonder if He wants to bless the earth. I know He does. I know the fires aren't from God. I don't have to be confused. I'm not confused about the will of God. I know that destruction comes from the devil to kill, steal, and destroy. 90% or 87% of the fires were man-made, man-lit. Not God-ordained, nothing to do with God. So I can pray, no, God, I know you're hearing us. I know you want to pour out your spirit. So this is vital to get it in our hearts to actually believe that God answers my prayers. When, when we have prayer meetings on Tuesday night, and if it's, and we get a okay turnout, I think we should have, I, I think we, if people believe what I'm talking about, we should have, um, we can't stop people from coming in. It's like so packed. It's so full that we've got to stop people. Now there's too many people. We can't get them all in. Uh, can you wait outside for the next session, please? It should be so inundated with people wanting to pray. Because if you really believe the next prayer, you'd pray. God would hear it. You'd be praying. I would be too. So I'm pointing the finger to me. You know what I'm saying? I really believe that. God, if I just can get this truth in my heart to believe, when I pray, God hears it. We can bring revival to all of Australia. We can be a part of bringing revival to all of Australia. We could be the spark that starts the actual fire. Because it only takes one little spark for the whole bushfire to start. Of God's love, God's glory, God's presence right across Australia. So number six is... Again, it's rooted in the, the reality of the goodness of God. And it's found in Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verse 9. Jesus is talking about prayer. And in verse 9, he says, For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Or what man is there among you? Now, he's trying to convince us about how God answers prayer. He's still talking about prayer. What man among you? If his sons ask for bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent or a snake? And if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? He takes the most simplest truth that we're all so aware of. If you're a parent, you're so aware of how you want to give good gifts to your children. You're so aware how you want to feed your children the basic necessities of life. You would never want to see your children go in lack or in hunger or, 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 or hard times or struggle. If you have the power, you would make sure they're fed. It's your desire as a mom and a dad. You just so would do it. Jesus takes that truth they're also aware of. We also watch, we're always witnessing that reality of the father and mother wanting to meet their children's needs. And he goes, what, what? if you know how to give good gifts to those and you're evil, we're selfish, we're, we're evil, we're fallen creatures. How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask or give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I've got to be convinced that God wants to hear my prayers as much as I am so willing to feed my children. I'll do whatever it takes, and I know you will too. You'll do whatever it takes to make sure your children are fed if you had to. You go without. You do whatever you can in your ability, your strength to make sure they're fed. Jesus is actually tapping into the reality of saying, I, the Father, wants to meet your needs when you pray. Are we convinced of that? 
I was saying last Sunday how Christine's parents, they, they, they work hard. They, you know, Christine's mum's in the 60s, dad's in the 70s, mid-70s, and they work so hard. And really, what really motivates them, because they're already well, they're already well off, it's because they want to bless their children and their, their grandchildren. And they do. They pour their blessings onto us. It's the willingness of the parent that wants to bless their children. Number eight, I'm, I'm going to jump seven because that's, I just referred to how much more will he give the Holy Spirit. If you only had understood that God's willingness to give of himself, his very spirit, it's number seven. The willingness to give of his spirit. When I ask, God's not withholding. There's nothing in the, God's not withholding. It's not, the, the hindrance is not God. It's got to be me. It's my unbelief. It's my lack of understanding God, of God's willingness to bless me. Or God's desire to pour His Spirit on me. So I think, oh no, hang on, I'm not worthy. I think Denise had a word today about she felt the Lord was lifting her head up constantly, lifting her head up and saying, you know, see yourself as worthy. She felt there's people in this room that don't see themselves as worthy. Worthy to receive what God has for them. So if you think, oh, I'm not worthy, you don't know what I've done, and I've just fallen, and, and then God must be angry with me. If you think that, then you're hindering what God wants to do. Because you're not coming as you are. Come as you are and knowing God's willingness to pour out His Spirit. If you know how to give bread when your children are hungry, how much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to them who asks? Whenever I ask, I know the Father's willing. It's not like, I, sh- I don't think God's saying, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? Has He been good enough? Has He not been good? I believe with all my heart He's poured out His Spirit on all flesh. He's already done the pouring. Holy Spirit has already come. Holy Spirit came 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. Jesus already paid the price, died on the cross, cleansed the temple of, the whole, of our body and, and forgave us of all sins so that He could make His home in us. He's totally willing to pour out His Spirit. He's not holding back. It's my lack of understanding of His willingness to give of Himself because He's already given of Himself completely. I preach this all the time. And, and you know, the other day, my children were hungry. They're, Dad, you say... That if your children ask for bread, you don't give them a stone. And I say, yeah, I will, but just wait. Not right now. Just be patient. We were doing something. We had to wait. And Evangeline, you understand that now, don't you, darling? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight is being constantly consistent, having boldness and never giving up. Remember, I t- took away the way, t- take away the time, but time aspect. Because if you pray and you think it's supposed to happen the next day, if it doesn't happen, oh, God didn't answer. That's where your faith becomes dented and discouraged and disappointed because you're putting a time bearer on, on it. But when you take away time, and I pray, I don't know how and when God's going to do it, but I just know He's going to do it. I'm not looking at a point where it's one week, two weeks, three weeks later, oh, God didn't answer. No, I'm going to consistently, boldly pray and believe. So that the things in the natural don't affect my faith. My inner world of God's promises to me and my faith with God should be so big, so large, so real that it influences the way I see the outside world. Luke chapter 11, which we were in, verse 5 to 7, Jesus uses an example of which of you that has a friend will go to him at midnight and um, when he needs, because his friend came to his place. Now this sounds a bit funny. So you're in the middle of, you know, the villages and someone knocks on your door in the middle of the night and says, I've been traveling all day and I, I, I need somewhere to stay. Here's your mate. So you say, you yeah, come in, but I've got no bread in the home. I've got nothing. So 
what am I supposed to do? I've got to give him something. So that sounds hard for us to understand this story because we've got 7-Eleven down the road. We've got 24-hour shopping centers. We just can get food anywhere. We've got food in the fridge all the time. We just can't imagine the concept of someone traveling. They can't send an email. They can't send a text. They can't send a messenger. They can't tell you you're coming. They're coming. They just come. They're just traveling for days, actually, and they can't even time their days on when they're going to come because it could take five days or seven days, eight days or four days. Depends how fast they travel. And they just come on your door, and now you've got your mate at your door, and you've got no food to give them. So you're desperate. I've got to get food. You know what you're going to do. You're going to go to your mate's place. So you go, I go to Sal's place. He's around the corner now from my house. And I knock on his door, 2 o'clock in the morning. I say, Sal, someone just popped into my house. friend of mine came from Melbourne, didn't tell us he was coming. I've got nothing in my fridge. Which again, it sounds funny because most of us always have something in our fridge. But I need something. Can you give me? And he goes, leave me alone. I'm sleeping with my wife. I mean, not, not literally, but I'm, I'm, in, I'm in bed with my wife. And I've tucked the kids in. The house is locked. Everything's shut up. I'm not getting up. This is, this is what Jesus says. God doesn't get up because he's your friend. He goes, because of your importunity, because you consistently, boldly knock, and you know you're not going to leave because you know you've got a relationship with your friend. You know he's not going to, uh, I'm not going to stop until he get up. Jesus is trying to pinpoint something about prayer. This guy is going to knock on the door until. And so the guy doesn't get up because he's your friend. He just gets up because you're annoying him. So Sal doesn't get up because he's friendly and loving to me. He just says, I've got to get Leah off my back. Honey, I'll get up. I'll give him something. And Jesus, Jesus uses that with the unjust, ju- un- unjust judge. With a widow woman has no right, no, no right to vote in those days and culture, has no jurisdiction, but she's bugging the unjust judge. Doesn't fear God, doesn't fear man, but she's going to ask until she gets what she wants. Jesus says, will I find faith in the earth? In other words, that unjust judge didn't get up because he was just and righteous and fair. He's nothing like God, but he gets up because he's getting annoyed. Because this lady won't go away. Her persistence just keeps asking. And you know what? The unjust says, just give her the thing she needs. And Jesus says, will not your Father in heaven avenge those who cry out to him day and night? Will he not avenge? He will. Way Way quicker we can ever imagine if we just believe. God's so willing to answer our prayers. This is the foundation of our prayer to actually believe that God wants to answer our prayers way more than a friend getting up and giving you bread. Because you have a need. This, again, the, the principle of prayer is I'm coming to the one who has the source, the, the resource. He has the, the, the need with, with him. I need the need, but I need it for my friend. I'm praying on behalf of someone. I'm interceding for someone that can't pray. They can't ask God. They don't know how to ask God. They're in darkness. I know how to ask God, and I ask for them, and I go and get bread that sustains life for someone that doesn't know how to pray. It's called intercession. And we, uh, uh, the church in the past, I believe, for a season lost the art of intercession. If you know what intercession is, and if you've been saved for the last five, ten years, then you don't know what I'm talking about. But back in the 80s and back in the 70s and, and even earlier than that, the church could, could pray and intercede and would weep and would cry before God, not for themselves. They're not even praying to God for themselves or for themselves. They're praying for others. And they weep and they would cry and they would pray until they get the prayer answered. And it's called intercession. I want to talk about that in a moment, hopefully. So... Abraham prayed. 
interceded. God answered his prayer, prayer and many, many, many times. Moses was a man who interceded on behalf. There was a time when God was going to bring judgment and Moses prays and the judgment stopped because a man prayed on behalf of somebody else. Now the story also when Moses was up on the hill, he went up on the hill to pray and um, he, he put his staff and he, and he lift up his staff. He noticed that the Israelites would win the war against the Amalekites. Joshua was in there fighting. And as Moses lifts his hands up in prayer and in exercises authority, Israelites winning. But as he gets tired and he brings his hands down, they were losing. He sort of worked out. Imagine, I can picture this like in a cartoon thing. It's like, like a joke. Not a joke, but you know, like, like humor in my mind. Where, huh? Losing. Huh? Winning. Losing. Ah, something's happening. Uh, look, they're losing again. Uh, uh, they're winning again. Uh, uh, they're, oh, they're losing again. Look, they're lo- something's happening. I'm affecting what's happening in the natural. My prayers affect the natural world. If we only believe that our prayer, when we win the battle in the spirit realm through prayer, it changes the natural battles. If I said to you, if you're a man of prayer, a woman of prayer, and you prayed and won the spiritual battles, then in the natural, you wouldn't be fighting so much. The battles I'm talking about, the battles of life, whether it's financial, relational, at work, what are the things that you're facing? If it's sickness, if it's health, that sometimes it's just praying in the realm of the Spirit and praying in, in God's presence that you, when you win the battle there, you win the battle in the natural. Because prayer is effective. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And he was using Elijah as an example. And the, James says Elijah is a, a man just like us. He actually has to say, God, don't, don't elevate him like a high great prophet that uh, he got access to God that you didn't have. He's a man just like us, his passion just like us. And he prayed for rain not to come for three and a half years. And rain didn't come for three and a half years because he was bringing judgment on the land where they were having idols and everything. And then when God says at the beginning of the chapter, it's time now for rain to come. If you read that chapter in Elijah, um, sorry, it's found in, whoo, here it is, 1 Kings chapter 18. We won't turn to it, but if you want to look it up for yourselves, 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 1 is when God says, I will send rain on the earth. So therefore go tell Ahab, the king, go tell him. So he heard the voice of God. He heard God's word to him that God's going to send rain, but there's no rain yet. He's the one that prayed the rain to stop for three and a half years. Now God's saying, I'm going to send it. And now Elijah, you see his story. Elijah, I'm just going to paraphrase. It's all in the Bible because we haven't got time to read it all. But he, he, um, he does the judgment thing with the fire. And the, you, know, you know the story with the, the, the prophets of Baal and the fire and rain and put water there. And he prayed and fire came and licked it all up. Then they, they pretty much said, kill all the, these, these false prophets of Baal that would worship idols. And then he said, go tell Ahab. To eat and drink because I hear the sound of a stormy rain coming. Now, where did he hear that sound? There was no rain clouds yet when he spoke that out. He is he's in his spirit, he can sense and feel it. God said to me, because in chapter 18 at the beginning, God said, I'm gonna send rain. He says, I can hear the sound of the rain. Go and eat. Why, why, go and eat and drink. Why? Because there's gonna be plenty of food. You can now eat. Get rid of the drought, get rid of the, you know. Scarce, scarceness, go and eat and celebrate because rain's coming. And so Moses goes up on Mount Carmel, Carmel and the Bible says he puts his knees between his, to, uh, his head, not his knees, his, 
his knees between his heads. His, his head between his knees. God puts his head, Elijah puts his head between his knees and prays. It's a picture of giving birth. But he's praying. He's praying. Now, I love the picture that, go eat. And he knows, I heard from God, but I've got to birth this. I heard from God, but it's not going to happen automatically. God wants to do it, but he won't do it without you praying. This is the greatest revelation if we can get it. This is, this is it. I'm going, to, I'm going to read it to you. It's a statement, right? But it's, it's I believe, in the Word. And um, where are we? Here it is. God cannot do what He wants to do unless man wants it. Say it again. God cannot do what He wants to do unless man wants Him to do it. This is the, this is the foundation of prayer. This is why we pray. I'll say it this way. We cannot make God do what He does not want to do in prayer. You can't pray enough, intercede enough, fast enough, even if you fast for 40 days without any eating and just water, and you fast and pray, and you can't do enough to get God to do what He doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to curse the earth. He doesn't want to curse people. I don't care how much you pray, you can't get God to do what He doesn't want to do in prayer. Does, does that make sense? Prayer is not getting God to do what He doesn't want to do. Prayer is getting God to do what He does want to do. Does that make sense? Yet... We can stop God from doing what He wants to do by not praying. We stop God from doing what He wants to do because we don't pray. Either the Bible's true or it's not. I 100% know it's true. God gave us authority in the beginning of the book of Genesis. I give you the authority to rule and to reign and to take dominion over the whole earth. We rule and reign through the words we speak. God gave us words to speak and authority to exercise. We are in authority because God gave mankind the authority to rule and to reign. God doesn't take it back when they fell from, from, from Him. When they spiritually died and fell away from God, God doesn't take that back. We just use that authority in the wrong way. It's perverted. We speak negative over our lives. We speak curses over our lives. We say we're hopeless. We're no good. Uh, everything bad happens to me. And we just speak bad, 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 bad. And guess what? You're exercising authority. So now if God gave us the authority... God wants to pour out a blessing. God wants to bring revival to Australia. I'm totally convinced God wants Australia to be saved. God wants revival to happen in our nation. God wants the church to be in love with Jesus and to be awakened to the love of God and love Him so dearly because He's so beautiful. God wants to do that, but He's given us the authority. So when we don't pray, God can't do what He wants to do. Jesus said this. Listen to this. The harvest is plenteous. The harvest is plenteous. It's, it's, it's not just plenteous. It's actually plenteous and great and, and large and ready and ripe. Nothing's wrong with the harvest. The harvest is plenteous and ripe. But this is what he says, what's wrong with the harvest? The reason why the harvest doesn't come in, souls don't come in. That's what it's talking about. Souls don't come in into the kingdom. It's because the harvesters aren't there. Pray, Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he send forth laborers, that's workers, harvesters, that will go out to the harvest field and harvest it in. The problem is, isn't with the harvest. The problem is we don't have the harvesters. You are the harvesters. You can have harvesters that don't know what they're doing as well. So they've got to be trained. They've got to be equipped. They've got to know how to share the gospel. They've got to know how to bring people to, the, to, to Jesus. It's the harvesters. Pray that the Lord will send true harvesters into the harvest field. Now, my question is this. 
Does God want people saved? 100%, doesn't he? In, in Timothy, it says, God's not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance so that they may be saved. God's not willing that anyone should perish. God doesn't want no one to perish, but are people perishing? Are people dying without Jesus? 100% they are. So God doesn't want them to perish, but He's given them a free will. And He won't exercise His authority. God's authority won't sovereignly make someone get saved if they don't want to be saved. Because God gave us the free will. He gave us the authority to rule. He gave us authority to rule and reign our own life. And so God wants everyone saved. God wants the harvest to come in. Jesus said, pray that God sends laborers out, harvesters out. My question is this. If it's God's will for everyone to get saved and the harvest to come in, why doesn't, why doesn't it automatically happen? If, we're, if God is sovereign, He is, and God is sovereign and He can do anything He wants to do, why doesn't He just save them all by themselves? Because in His sovereignty, He gave us the free will and gave us the authority in the earth. And when we pray, God answers to do what He already wants to do. <laughs> Guys, that's the greatest key that will stir up faith in our hearts to pray. Say, God... If I pray, God will answer. If I pray in the name of Jesus, knowing my Father's a good God, and He answers, He gives us bread. He always does. He doesn't withhold. Amen? Tonight I'm going to speak on praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, and how to intercede in tongues, and the gift of tongues, and what the purpose of tongues is. The interpret why, why God gave us this language that we can pray and don't understand in our mind, but our spirit prays. It's so important that we, it's a powerful, most powerful tool that God's given us. A powerful gift to intercede and to pray. There's many, many uh, benefits of praying in the Spirit. Many. I'm going to go through all of them tonight. So important. If you can't get it tonight, please listen to it on podcast. If you don't have the, the app yet, get the app, download it and, and listen to it because it's connected from morning to night. A lot of time it's connected and if you miss the night, try to hear it so the next Sunday when you come, you're hearing it. If you miss the morning, hear that. So the next Sunday, you're connected to the series. Does that make sense? I hope you get something out of this. You've gotten something out of this. Because the most important thing that you and I can understand is God cannot do what He wants to do unless we pray. Unless we pray. Believing prayer. We pray the will of God into the earth. That's why Jesus says, when you pray, pray this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hold, and he goes, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's the guideline to prayer? The will of God that's in heaven, we should be praying it here on the earth. You think, if you think there's people depressed in heaven, you can't get God to make people depressed. You can't get God to do what he does not want to do. You cannot do it, no matter how much you pray. It's, it's, this is what it means to pray according to the will of God. Well, in heaven, it's full of joy, full of full of freedom and, and no anxiety, no worry, no stress. I can pray that for my friends. I can pray for that freedom. Amen? In heaven, everyone knows Jesus. Everyone's intimately in love with Jesus. They love Him. He's the King of kings, the creator of the universe, the magnificent one, the majestic one. So we're going to open up our hearts. We're going to open up the front um, for prayer. I know we've been praying, we've been worshiping and when we, you know, let me say this, you know, the worship was about 40 minutes today. And I know there are people that love worship and love the presence saying, don't stop, don't stop. I just, I love this. This is how I connect. This is amazing. 
and you need to realize that you can receive the word as much as you can encounter God. And when you hear the word, you're encountering God in the same way when you're encountering God in your spirit and your emotions. Other people are like this. Uh, hurry up and get the word going. Like, I connect with and I hear the word. I've come for the word. Uh, this isn't, I don't really connect here. Like, I say to you, open up because you need to connect here. Open up your heart. And a lot of times the reason why you can't open up here because, again, wrong un- Wrong mindsets, unworthiness, feeling bad. Maybe if you've fallen in sin, you feel guilt, shame, hold you back from connecting, encountering spirit, emotion, soul, thoughts, desire with God, intimacy with God in worship. And so don't be that one where you're academic. You're just academic. I want to hear the word. I'm intellectual. I'm re- and it could be your leaning. It could be a strength. That's fantastic. I don't think it's wrong. I think it's great. That's your strength. But also open up to encountering Him. Knows that encountering him and love it, open up to the word. You need the word as much as you need to encounter him. I'm telling you, you need it. So when, when it moves to hearing the word, don't go, ah, oh, I'm missing out. They're closing down the spirit. No, you're not. Spirit's still working right now. As I was speaking, the Holy Spirit's still speaking. He's still working, still ministering, still touching you. You can get healed while you're hearing the word, just by in, in your seat. Bang. Presence of God heals you by hearing the word. Jesus sent his word and he healed them. Amen. So, uh, Zena, why don't you share your word really quickly, what you had before, please. So I, I really believe that God is, you know, he, there's an anointing here that wants to make you free today. And there are two specific words I heard. So... Okay, so um, two, the two words that I heard were fear and control. And God was very specific. So, you know, you can let fear into your life even if, if you go on a roller coaster. And when that roller coaster gets to the top and you get scared, the fear comes in, right? You don't know that you've allowed a spirit of fear because Timothy says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. So it is a spirit of fear. Um, if you watch horror movies, and I hope that nobody here does, you can let in a spirit of fear. Thrillers. If you um, like isolation, staying away from people, that's a spirit of fear. If you have anxiety, if you panic in situations, that's a, a spirit of fear. And you know, I didn't know this, but God showed me, I can't go into it now, but fear and control go hand in hand. So, if you're argumentative, if you have to be right, if you need to call the shots all the time, if you dominate, if you're competitive, if you compare yourself to people you perceive to be more than you, I want you to come up and be set free. Don't look at me. Jesus wants you up here. So you need to come up. And some of us are married We have fear because we are married to somebody who loves to control. You know what? That is a spirit, but that is not who you are. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. So God is going to set you free so you can embrace your true identity in Jesus. Okay? So start coming up now because there's a prayer team here. We're going to pray. And some of you, nobody's going to touch you. I promise you that you are going to be set free because there's an anointing here that's breaking yokes of bondage. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. So when we, we're going to, as we worship the King, 
If you need to accept Jesus, maybe for the first time, and you've never met Jesus, you never understood what Jesus did for you on the cross, and you, you, but today you're ready to accept Jesus as your Lord, your Savior, because He paid the penalty on that cross. He consumed my sin, your sin on that cross so that we could be forgiven. So if you want to make peace with God and accept Jesus Christ, you can also come out the front and let that person say, uh, let, the, let someone know, I want to accept Jesus for the first time. Amen? It's simple, it's powerful, and it'll change your life. If you want to accept Jesus, come out the front and say, yes, I want to accept Jesus into my life. And those that want to respond to that prayer, um, I mean, what Zena was speaking about, fear and control, also come out the front. We're going to pray. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com. Or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.